welcome to another episode of the Ath Geeks Podcast. I'm your host, Adrian, and with me today we have Spin Dog. How you doing today, Spin Dog? I'm doing good, man. You know, nice little Thursday for some reason. That's my favorite day of the week. I don't know why. <laughs> it's usually a more chill day and about to get ready for the weekend, so. Yeah, yeah. Just do a little bit of homework, and now I'm on here, you know, chilling with my guy, so. Yeah, that's that's what I like to hear right there. That's what I like to hear. So, how we're going to do this today is we're going to break this up into two segments. We're going to do first segment, we're going to talk, you know, Jokic versus the Heat and all that, the Heat Mafia. And then second segment, we're going to talk about Spindox Wizards and how they are exceeding expectations early on this year. So, to start us off with this Jokic thing, what were your initial thoughts on the Jokic pushback after the Morris hit? Um, I think, like, Jokic is a very, like, likable guy, but he's also, you know, he's not going to take stuff. And obviously, people always joke about his background and stuff, but, I mean, that's how he is. And he's also a center, so, you know, he's on there. He's going to, you know... Um, what is it? Impose his physical will. That's what he's doing all game. And you got a dude like Morris, who Morris is also like, you know, he talks and he's he doesn't back down from people. He has a past of like, you know, what both of the Morris twins, they both are guys that usually a little chippy and they get into it with other people. So it looked like <clears throat> he was just, you know, retaliating. Now he he kind of went overboard, but also Morris also kind of sold it. So he did a little extra. So I think it just more so showed that Jokic isn't really scared of them. And that, and it's also like with, you know, the European players, they also got a chip on their shoulder because, you know, people might think they're a little soft coming from out of the country and stuff. But obviously Jokic doesn't really care about none of that. He doesn't at all. That's the stereotype with European players that they're soft that they're not tough guys, anything like that. And Jokic is like, ah, I'm, I don't, I don't fall in that realm like the rest of y'all. We saw what was that last year with D Book, and then we're seeing it right now with the, with Morris. But the thing I don't like about that is when I saw a lot of the other, cause you see, I saw two different ways. I saw um, non, like a lot, a lot of like people on social media and non-professional athletes saying, yeah, he's and Heat fans saying he snuck him. And everything, and then you see a lot of other people like you saw, like Shaq and Barkley said the same thing. They're like, "Why he turn his back? You don't turn your back if you're gonna hit me like that." Because mm-hmm. if you watch it, he immediately turned his back. It's not like Jokic sat there for a second, thought about it, and then ran. Jokic stumbled for a bit, and the second he caught his foot, and he immediately ran. It wasn't like he paused; he immediately ran. So the fact that Morris got hit in the back was Morris's fault because he turned around. If Morris would have stayed staring at him. Then guess what? Jokic would have ran that at him still, and they he would have he would have saw it. But I think he also sold it, like you said as well, because um, he stayed there for like ten minutes. They brought out the stretcher and everything. He was like, "No, nah, I was like, okay." Did he actually end up getting hurt from it? They said, um, "I think he missed the next game." Oh wow! So I mean, yeah. maybe he wasn't then. Yeah, I mean, but- it looks. It looks like, you know, a lot less force, but I mean, coming from a big, like, that's a big man. 285 pounds. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and if it caught you off guard, yeah. I mean, if he actually did get hurt, then I do apologize for saying he sold it. But, 
you know, I, I do agree with you saying he turned his back and it was like he did that and like probably had no he probably thought that Jokic wasn't gonna retaliate at all. I mean that's the dude that he does a little stuff here and there. Like it's guys in the league that instigate or do stuff and then some of them get caught off guard when people actually do stuff back, but that's also because they're probably picking and choosing who they do it to. And like I said, people probably think Jokic is soft or something just because like how he carries himself. But I mean, if people are going to mess with him, he's definitely going to fight back. Yep. And they picked the right one that day because Jokic was like, I'm ready. Cause I think you're right. Cause I saw a lot of people talking about that. Jokic needs to be suspended and how did Morris not get suspended? I'm like, Morris has that stigma around him as a quote-unquote tough guy. So you see him take cheap shots and do stuff like this all the time. Both him and his brother have that um, stigma around them, yet you never see either one of them get suspended for any game. So it's so it would be odd to see them start getting suspended now. And then same with Jokic. It would be odd to see him like get suspended more than a game. Like he only got suspended a game. It would be odd to yeah, see him. Yeah, I think a game that. was fitting. And like- yeah. He also probably did it because it was Jokic, and he probably thought, like, you know, a lot of times stars will be like, they'll sit back and let somebody else do it. But he was just in the heat of the moment. The game was already decided and stuff. He was probably just like, you know, send a message. And, like, the Heat have a lot of tough guys on the team. And, like, you've seen with the pitchers, they showed up at the locker rooms and stuff afterwards. And Yeah, I, I don't like that, though, because if you watch it, all of those guys that were there, they were all right beside Jokic when it happened, and none of them did anything. Yeah, it, I think it was more so they were upset because, like you said, Morris got hurt, so they might have seen it afterwards and got really upset and tried to, you know, confront him then. But I don't think it's something that will boil over on Jokic's side. Maybe more so Morris the next time in the Heat. Definitely, it'll be something to watch, but. I don't think it would be something he would like hold against them or nothing, unless they did it again, obviously. Yeah, okay. Cause unless they did it again, I can see, but I don't see I don't see Jokic sweating too much about it. <laughs> like they heat them trying to fight Jokic, but they're gonna I don't I don't really see any of them as those tough guys fight guys on them. Cause they they're they're wannabe, they're you know, they're they're a bunch of wannabe tough guys. That's just that's just what their team is full of. None of the people on the team you actually see ever get in fights, ever get in anything like that, throw any punches, do anything like that. So it's nothing to actually worry about. And, I mean, I get what you're saying. Maybe they saw it afterwards. But Jimmy Butler, like five minutes later, after the ref got in between them, said, take that to the back. Let's take it to the back. But it's like, you didn't do anything when you were right in front of them. Yeah, so now you exactly. want to take it to the back. <laughs> so yeah, I, I do think that is kind of funny. Like, And it might be – I mean, not for people to test the heat, but, like, you think with all those guys there, all those personalities, you know, somebody would have stepped up. And, like, it was like – you know, for you to try to do it after the fact and stuff is like, all right, like, are y'all like fake tough guys? Or I don't think they're fake tough guys, but like, people aren't going to be really scared to go at them like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think they think <clears throat> they have that tough guy persona. So people are just going to be scared just to be scared. Just like you said with the Jokic thing, people are going to see, he, they probably think, oh, they're going to see me and be like, oh, I'm not going to mess with them. Oh, we're not going to retaliate because. They're tough guys. We don't want those problems. And it's like I don't I don't see a lot of players actually being scared of them. Players being like, Yeah, that might be thing. Just y'all have that persona of being tough guys and everything else like that. Cause 
I, I'm not. I'm not sure. What, what do you think? So, what do you think about the um, finding of Morris and Jimmy Butler for encouraging all? You think you think they got everything right? Would you see? Would you rather see Morris seen less, or you think they got it right there? Well, no, I think it was all fitting because, like, even though Jokic, like, he retaliated, he did kind of. It was kind of excessive, and you know, it wasn't like it kind of it. It took. Like, the game was about to be over, and obviously I don't knock him for doing it, but like you said, he got hurt, and then he really didn't care, like, at that point. Like, if it did break out into a fight, they definitely did a good job of defusing it, but I don't think <clears throat> I don't think it was bad, like, with Jimmy and them, like, they're, like, trying to take it off the court, and that's not really good for the NBA. Like, y'all are professional athletes, and, yeah, y'all do, y'all do compete in your regular people, but, like, they hold you to a higher standard to not be trying to fight off the court and stuff like that. So, especially something that you started. That's that's yeah. the thing. You start <laughs> something, somebody hits you back. It's like, yeah, oh, I can see if Jokic just like just like did it without him like no contact or nothing. But like, nah, it's literally right there on the camera. Like he was the one who started it. So yeah, that's like you gotta treat them at like that point. Like I can tell my daughter that if somebody hits you, hit you, hit them back. You don't hit first. Like that, that's like a simple concept as simple as children know this. So I don't get why he was expecting just to hit and not get hit back. That's just ridiculous. What do you think about the whole um, Jokic brother thing? <laughs> I think that was, was is that account actually real? Because I heard some people saying it's not real. Uh, I mean, from every from every source I've read and every podcast I've listened to, I, like the NBA locked on all of them, they all say that they, from what they know, that that's the real account. That's all they yeah, know. Yeah, because that's what I've seen too. I've seen like you know, reporters and stuff like confirming it's the real. And I think it's I think it's pretty funny because, like, they're, like, obviously they're using it. They're kind of trolling, but they're also, like, they want to be visible online and stuff and make their own, um, you know, brand and stuff, which is kind of smart because everyone, you know, they didn't talk. Everyone would make jokes and, like, bring up these old stories, but then, like, getting in fights and all this stuff. Like, so people always used to joke, like, don't mess with them Serbians and stuff. Like, you know what they do. So they got their own thing online, and they tweeted right at, Morris or somebody, right? Yeah, the um the other Morris brother, Markeith. They yeah, it was Mark, or is it Marky? Yeah, because Marcus plays for the Heat, right? And Mark, does he yeah. play for the Lakers still or no? I'm not sure where Markeith yeah. is at the moment, but um, so yeah, Markeith was the one tweeting about it, and then they they answered, so it, it, it was kind of it was kind of crazy. Yeah, oh no, Markeith plays for the the Heat, so it's Marquis. So Marcus tweeted then. Yeah, wait, but was so wait, Tomo Marcus plays for the Clippers, right? Okay, so that's he's still with the Clippers. So Markeith was the one who got in the fight, yeah. Then I okay, just know it was okay. the other Morris brother because they looked the exact same. So yeah, I just know exactly. the, other, the other Morris brother was the one that was like, blah blah blah, yeah. And even you know, from, from, okay, so I didn't even know that, yeah. And I know from like my own, um experience with Markeith he was uh he was he was on the Wizards for like a year or two and he was kind of annoying because he would be that dude that would like you know try to uh not really pick fights but he was definitely like an agitator and stuff but then like you can't even rebound like you out here using all your energy to try to fight dudes and stuff but he not really physical in the game 
Yeah, so, like do all that in the game. Like like be tough. He don't, in the he game. don't play like Marcus, I know, plays defense, but Marquise don't really play good defense. Marquise is the one who just he can shoot and he can score pretty good, but he don't he's not really like <laughs> defending or boarding that good. So I just always thought that was funny. I mean, I know it doesn't correlate, but it's like you could be I mean, physical. that's usually when you see the tough guys. When you yeah. see the tough guys on the team, they're usually the ones that's playing defense and rebounding, doing the little things. They're not really the ones scoring or playmaker or anything like that. It's the ones doing the little, the dirty things. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I, that's funny. I, think, I didn't know that. I thought it was Marcus this whole time. Yeah, I, I didn't. I always get them confused. But, but I yeah. forgot Marcus is still on, uh, on the Clippers because he signed that big deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny, though, because um, – so many people immediately follow the Morris brothers after that. So that can be used for marketing too. Cause literally after they sent that tweet, it immediately got 6,000 followers Sheesh. like instantly. It was like yeah. under a couple minutes, 6,000. I don't know. I mean, that now, but they, yeah, they're, they're known throughout the league. Obviously is like, they're pretty good role players, but like, you know, when you get into when you get into like you know quarrels with star players and stuff, it's definitely gonna raise your profile. And not like they meant to do that, but I mean that's what happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's it's kind of it's kind of crazy that Jokic's brothers and everything. But yeah, that was just that was just an interesting thing. I wanted to get your thoughts on. Um, let's take a short break because it's gonna be look like we're gonna be a pretty fast episode. Then we're gonna come back and discuss your wizards. <laughs> And we are back from that short break. We're here to discuss these Wizards. And before, I mean, I am not going to lie to you. I haven't watched a lot of the Wizards games outside of when they played Boston. Um, outside that, I haven't been watching. So we're going to be, we're going to lean more on you. I'm, I'm looking at mainly the numbers. I'm being a box score watcher when it comes to this. So what well, what are your thoughts initially on this hot season for y'all? Um, I think... It was since that trade, I mean, it wasn't really popular, obviously, with the media because we're losing a big name like Russ. And he did he he meant a lot to that second half, but the problem was that we didn't really play team ball and we weren't deep at all. It was just really relying on Bill and um Westbrook. And what I kept telling everyone was that Dinwiddie might not be a better player than Russ, but Dinwiddie yeah, at twenty at twenty million is better than Russ at forty four million or whatever, because that just allows you to do a lot more. And he's a lot smarter player. Like he averages, I think at one point, like th- through the first six games, he had like four turnovers. Like he just doesn't turn the ball over a lot. He's a really smart. Yeah, he averages one point seven turnovers a game. So he's just really smart with the ball. And then they were able to add, like, obviously they added with the trade. They added um, Kuz, Trez, and Harrell. And they had the 21st pick, and they turned the 21st pick into, like, Aaron Holiday and Isaiah Todd, who was in G League. But those are all guys that came in and contributed. Like, Harrell has been, like, damn near an all-star for them. And I thought, like, he was a good – I thought, like, he would just hold it down until Thomas Bryant comes back behind uh Gafford but I mean he's going to be a staple for the team and like 
he pretty much said like last year, like with the Lakers, he didn't play a lot. And it was, I mean, I understand he doesn't play good defense, but I think he's just too good of a player to not even see the floor. Cause he's on a team where like, he's been playing pretty good defense. His offense is like off the bench. He's averaging like 18 and nine, which is like pretty crazy. I mean, he's playing 30 minutes a game, but like yesterday he came in, um, he scored like 16 in the first 10 minutes and that's against the Cavs with like, um, whatchamacallit, um, Jared Allen, who's really good. And Evan Mobley, who I was watching yesterday. He's, he looked, he's going to be really nice. I mean, yeah, I know he was playing good before that, but like actually seeing it, like he just really can do everything. And so I just hope they figured that that front court definitely is working together. Good. This, if they can figure out the rest around it, but that team has definitely been they're like seven and five, I think. Yeah, the Cavs are doing real well this year. And to go back on the Trez thing, like Trez has the highest offensive rating in the NBA right now. I didn't even know that. That's crazy. He, yeah, he has the highest rating. It's, and it, it's, it don't make sense though, because like I've I've seen him from afar, and I you know I'm not a big fan of like shorter players and guys who can't shoot but like he just has a knack because he has those super long arms and he's athletic like he gets people in the air and he just knows how to finish like he i've seen him going against miles turner and like yesterday like jared allen and he can just he goes right at shot blockers and he can dunk on them or finish really good around the rim and so he's not even worried about them at all that's crazy yeah i'm not really like i'm not really surprised by coos because we've kind of seen that before and i'm not Surprised by Trez, I'm more surprised like how good he has played, and so um, I think yeah he's really helped. Um, KCP has been a really good defender, and he's like he's obviously on and off with his his three point shooting, but he's definitely been uh, a solid starter at the three. Um, Neto has been really good off the bench. He's like a dude that we. Signed last year for the minimum, and he's just a really crafty player. He's kind of undersized, but he plays. He's scrappy. He plays good defense. He's smart with the ball. Um, obviously Bertans, who just is really shaky, and I think once Rui comes back, he's going to be out the lineup. Yeah, you need to go um, ahead and get Bertans out of here. I don't know why he's still around. Paid him all that money for him to be cheeks. Yeah, he's he's been out the last couple of games, and they played Kispert a little more. He's actually he's actually played all right in his little role. And then Denny is kind of – Denny has struggled offensively just because – not even just so much the shooting. He's kind of frustrating because he doesn't finish good around the rim, and it makes no sense because he's 6'9", but, like, he misses a lot of layups, and, like, he should dunk more. Like, he's dunked, but I don't know if it's his athleticism or aggressiveness, but, like, on the defensive end, he's becoming a real special player. I think I seen something earlier where they said, like, he's holding – um, his opponents to like the third lowest field goal percentage in the league. And it's just because his size and last year I could kind of see it. People used to get upset with him because he will foul a lot, but you could see like he was a good defender on ball. He just had to learn how to stop fouling. And he was playing overseas where maybe the rules were a little different. He had to, they yeah, a little more physicality allowed yeah, over there. Yeah. And with the calls being a lot less this year, that helps people like him who, not necessarily he's fouling, but, like, you can get away with a little bit more. So, I think with – um, they just have a lot of little role players who play their role really good, and then the coaching has made a big difference because it's just a total philosophy switch. And I kind of like even before um, 
the season start, like Unsell was saying, like little things like we were 28th in passing last year and like he was going to make sure we like that was a big part. And like last year it would just be like Russ, Bill come up the court, ISO, dribble around. I mean, they would do a couple passes, but it would be like one or two passes and then um, like shoot. And like you wouldn't get the best shot like that. So he's definitely preached ball movement and um, depth and defense for sure. Because like even the last three games, we haven't given up 100. And like last year, we gave up like I think almost like 115 or something crazy a game. Like it's just been a big, <clears throat> a big shift in philosophy. And I think like the foul calls has helped. I mean, the the, rep, the officiating in general has helped. Um, because like it's been a lot of lesser teams that play better this year because a lot of stars used to get away with calls that I don't know if it's making their team worse, but like I think the lesser teams sometimes would have no chance going against like the star driven teams because they would just drive and get fouls every time and that could definitely dictate the game. And they can. So, but I want to go back to something real quick because you said it's funny how this works. You said Denny's not a good finisher at the room. But the numbers say otherwise. Oh, well, I mean, he might – He, I, I think maybe I'm highlighting when I see him, he misses, like, some easy layups or, like, where he should dunk. But he does finish – he doesn't shoot a lot. That's the problem. He doesn't shoot a lot, like, as much as people want him to. But, yeah, maybe I'm underrating how good he does finish under the rim because he's missed some gimmies and, like, some and ones where, like, he gets a little contact and he's, like – you know, when you see somebody six nine and you're right up there and you can jump and stuff, you think they would be better at finishing. But like I said, I might be underrating them. Yeah, cause I was looking at, cause like I said, I was looking at some of the. Uh, I was been a box score watcher and I was looking at the advanced numbers that some of your team, some of your players, and they go back to um, the finishing at the rim. Y'all, y'all are second in the NBA in points in the paint. And y'all have people finishing at a ridiculous rate around the rim right now. I'm I'm sure there's still some gimmies that you watching like, dang, how did he not miss that? Mm-hmm. But there's a there's a lot of like Daniel Gaffer is finishing 91 percent at the rim right now. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that. The second in the paint because like with just with Gafford and Trez, they're really high percentage. If you can yeah. you can lob to them or they both can dump. So like that's that I'm not surprised by. And that like is, I think that could even go up that well though. Yeah, I think that can even go up with like um, Rui. He's getting fully integrated in two weeks, and he's a good finisher around the rim. And then if Thomas Bryant, if he can be a good contributor, he comes back in December. So they're both good finishers. So I'm not. And um, obviously, Bill, Bill. I haven't even talked about Bill, but he's he's kind of been frustrating this year in the fact that just he's become a really bad three-point shooter and i mean it goes in part with the rest of his game kind of getting better around him and so like i mean you're sacrificing it but it just makes no sense that like even a wide open threes he's missing like that's i can see like he makes some difficult ones like off the dribble step back or contest it and it's just the wide open three it's just like watching him over his time he's progressing he's gotten so much better but his three has gotten worse Mm -hmm. but like He's really good at finishing around the rim. Um, that was the one thing I saw coming into the season. Like Dinwiddie, from uh, from everything I heard about him, his his uh, he's kind of surprised me with how he shot the three ball. But I think he was always a really good finisher around the rim. 
he hasn't been as aggressive as I wanted him to, but I think that's just part of the team. Like they just let everyone do a little bit, but I think um, the team, like they're, they're kind of a tall team to be honest. Cause if you look at their starting lineup, like they have Dinwiddie, um, Bill, um, and then you got KCP who are kind of, they're all like six, four, six, five, but then they have a bunch of forwards and centers that they get in and they can play a little taller lineup. So I w- I'm not really surprised by them being second in the paint, second in points in the paint. But I think the thing that they their biggest Achilles heel is they're really not that good shooting the three. And yeah, it's not y'all aren't shooting the three well at all this year. And it's, it's not even that they're not generating open threes or good shots like they are. They just don't really have, like, no knockdown shooters. And it's like that's supposed to be Breton's role. Um Maybe Kispert can step into that, but like right now, their best three point shooter is Kuz on volume shooting. And that's like, I guess they got to hope for Bill to get better because he's shooting 25%. But like, they need somebody to, they need the team as a whole to shoot a lot better from three if they want to actually like have a chance at being really good this year. I mean, I think that should be, that should be something to look forward to. That, that means y'all could even be even more scary because. Yeah, y'all are doing so well generating offense right now, and y'all aren't even shooting well. Yeah, and I think the thing is teams are starting to try to pack the paint. So they are generating open threes, and there is room for improvement. But, like, even, like, they're playing teams. And I see teams are starting to zone them. And so they are getting those open corner threes and stuff. And some games, like, they do go off KCP, Kuz, and stuff. So it's not for a lack of generating good shots. It's just guys got to hit the open shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's but, it's, but I think the thing that the, what would you keep going? I said the thing that I've been most impressed by is just the defense because it was like laughable how bad they were last year. And I and I know like they didn't have a bunch of defenders on the team, but I just think it was just the philosophy where like Brooks wouldn't even I don't know, like they would literally leave three point shooters open every single game. Like they were the worst in three-point defense, and I think they're, like, top five now. Y'all are think, actually the best in three-point oh, wow. defense right now. Yeah, yeah, that's that's crazy to change that fast. But I think I think that was the best part about, like, people joke about Kuz and, like, KCP, how they, like, was stinking up around LeBron, and that's going to be highlighted. But, like, those were guys on the championship defense, and they're going to, you know, they're going to help bring that. They help really good. They rotate really good. And they're like, they all have tall wingspans so they can switch. And so that's what I'm, I'm really more interested to see what's going to happen when Rui gets back. Cause they said they're, he's definitely going to have a, a role. But like, if they're either going to like, they definitely should keep starting Kuz, but I don't know if they're going to slide Kuz to the three and put Rui at the four. And that would just give them more, like they can rotate even more with those two. Cause Rui's actually become a pretty, solid defender last year too he was one of our best so i want to see what happens when he comes back but i think like i said i'm 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 really impressed with how they've defended the three i just their worst part on offense is shooting Shooting the three (laughs) but which is crazy but they also said like i've seen some other statistics that said like they had a top five like half court offense and that means like they're generating really good shots they just got to if they want to get to that next level shoot three so i don't know if like you know, Berton's coming back. If he's going to – they 
Like, if he actually plays to the level, like, before his contract, they could really be a, a nice team or if Kispert steps in because he's been playing a little more. He played pretty pretty solid yesterday, but he's not really a volume three-point shooter. So I just think they got to shoot the three better for sure. And and Bill, if he just shoots the three better, it will help the team a lot more. But they're on um, at more yeah, exactly. make his scoring easier as well because his numbers don't look the best scoring wise like percentage wise that's just because of the three-point shot if he if he starts hitting his threes then it's like night and day and, and his turnovers like the rest of the team really isn't turning the ball over but like he'll be having like i think his, the worst part of his game is like in the clutch he tries to do too much and a lot of times it'll be like a turnover, but it'll be like him slipping on the floor, falling. Like you seen it last year when we played the Celtics and he like fell on the floor at the end. Like that's something like Wizards fans joke about. Like he falls or slips a lot and it'll be like in the worst, worst part of the game. But I think something that really showed kind of growth in his game yesterday and it's him getting out of bad habits with just a bad team around him and Scott Brooks where he had the green light, but he also had to do way more years before and, and he had to, like, he would have to average 30 and, like, shoot on good percentages for them to even be in games. And, like, last night, he didn't have it. He played a good second half, but he was kind of off. And, it, like, the last two, they were down, I think, five with 30 seconds left. And Kuz got both threes to tie it and then win it. But it was Bill driving and getting a bunch of attention and kicking it. He's been pretty good with sharing the ball, and I think that's what helped because he's averaging, like, almost six assists a game. Like, Dinwiddie is the point guard, but he's he's good at playing all ball, so it's not like he's dominating. That's what was happening with him and Russ. And so Bill's done better with his playmaking. He just got to cut down on turnovers and and um, just shoot the three better. That will help a lot more. He needs to talk to his boy Tatum about that playmaking thing. I've been saying that for years. The whole, if you want to be a good scorer, the, you need to be a good passer because if you're an elite passer and you can pass out the double team and have great vision, then they can't double you and they can't put all their attention on you because yeah. then you will dot them. So yeah. you need to be able to do that. So if you can dot them, guess what? That opens up your scoring on a whole nother level because they have to play you differently versus a lot of these other. Can you look at a lot of scorers? They're not the best passers. Like, um, I remember when the bubble back in the bubble when the Celtics were playing the Sixers, I was talking about MB and B was cooking. And I think he, there was one game he had like 40, but we started sending doubles. And then after that, he was kind of useless because he wasn't passing well out the double. He was just trying to go up still. He was trying to shoot still. And I was like, if he was just dodging us out of the, the double, we wouldn't be able to double. And then yeah. he could just cook even more. I think that was something I saw from Embiid last year where I just knew he was, like, just different because, I mean, he was just cooking us one-on-one, but, like, the I don't know if it was because of Doc or the new system, but, like, they put a bunch of shooters around well when Ben wasn't out there and he was just kicking it. And, like, that was that's what made – like, that's why I was telling y'all, even with Ben out, I thought they were going to be a really good team because how they built around them. But, they, I mean, obviously I don't think they're going to win until they trade Ben for a really good player, but – like you said, with Embiid, he used to, like, be bad at, like, double teams. And I think that's how some of those scores take it to the next level where they can, you know, if I know I'm getting all the attention. Like, that's what LeBron does really good. You, you know you're getting all that attention. You're going to kick it to the open person and stuff. Yep, and just let them let them do it. Let Trust in your teammates, and that makes the defense have to do night and day. But 
you were talking about um the complaints with Bill, but Bill offensively, yeah, he struggled a little bit, but defensively, he's played really well. I have oh to, yeah, no, that's I, have that, I haven't brought that up, but I think like um even in the Olympics, and that's how I knew like he was taking a different stance. Like in the Olympics, people were joking because they were like, "It's just the Olympics," but like he was giving it a lot of effort, and a lot of people were saying he was probably the better, the best defender out there in some of the early games, and. Like I said, like we didn't have the best defenders, but I knew it wasn't like we didn't have people who couldn't play defense last year. It was just I think coaching had a lot to do with that. And when you get a guy like Unsell coming in there and a lot of people gave him credit for like, you know, um, engineering the Nuggets, like going towards being a top defense because like he called the defense and he helped develop a lot of people. I thought like he would make a big impact. I didn't think it would be this fast, though, for sure. I didn't think it was going to be this fast either, but yeah, I think he, I think he, his system is helping. I saw that um, they said Bill was second on the team in opponent field goal percentage, um, only yeah, behind I mean, he's Denny. A, yeah, he the the thing with Bill, like he's pretty athletic, but he also has a really long wingspan for like he's he's six five, but like as a guard, like he's always been a good shot blocker and stuff. And I think it was just the it it also has to do with if you take a lot of the offensive responsibility off of him he can give more effort on defense whereas like you got him trying to go out there score 30 a night and then play defense and they slow the pace down too that helps too because you know with brooks they were first in pace so they were going up and down the court and not playing no defense (laughs) yeah okay exhausted that's the whole thing well that's what i talk about like you see a lot of people like quiet and everybody they still have that stigma of being a good defender but as they started taking more on offensively their defense fell off. Like you don't really see them guarding the best player playing elite defense anymore because they're doing so much on offense. They can't do it. So I guess that doesn't make sense with Bill doing, having to do a little less on offense then he can step it up on the defensive end. I know I, um, what's called, I was listening to the wizards locked on podcast person and he was talking about y'all's y'all's change in systems with unsell versus with um brooks he said with brooks y'all rent y'all literally switched everything which made the defense kind of lazy and y'all didn't have the right personnel to switch everything yeah y'all they switched were, everything anyway they people i mean like teams would just game plan to they knew we would switch everything so they would get like Berton switched on to like steph curry and you already know he's getting cooked and they yep. they would just space the floor and it's like you got to be strategic with it too and like uh, uh we don't really switch everything it's certain stuff they do switch cuz they can they have the bodies but like they've i mean until he put it on and since the nuggets they don't really switch everything so it's still as people getting out there having to play hard on defense for sure yeah, I know those Harold cause he played a clip from Harold talking about or he read a quote about Harold talking about saying like uh he likes it because um Unsell's like basically like we're not going to sw- we're going to switch only in certain situations yeah. but I want y'all to fight over the screen and show the effort on defense. Don't just be like Lax Days going to be like, "Oh, well, he's going to pick up on him, so I don't got to worry about it." Like, "No, fight over that screen. That is your assignment. Guard him. These people can switch, but there's no reason I need to have my point guard and my center switching. I can have my small forward and power forward switching, and they know that. But he's like, and he said that um something about how Scott Brooks wasn't really an adaptive coach. They didn't really make a lot of um adjustments. Whereas Wes Unsell, he 
what's going he he'll he'll make adjustments with the defense based on what he sees if he sees y'all are getting killed on switches he won't he will he'll have y'all not switching if he sees y'all can switch on certain things y'all switch he said the defense you can see adjustments mid-game and throughout the stuff whereas that's very unusual and usual wizards culture yeah i think like it was i seen a play the other day and like the bucks were zoning us and they ran this half court set where it was like kcp and i think netto it was kcp and somebody they ran across the middle of the court trying to mess the zone up and bill just went right down the middle because Giannis was trying to stay close to gaffer who was like on the baseline and they left the middle wide open it's like little stuff like that where it was like they're actually running half court stuff and it's not just you know we're gonna come out here and you know what we're gonna do and i think the problem last year like you said or like people complained about the whole time like there was no adjustments. Like you seen last year, we played y'all in the playing game, and Tatum was just being guarded by babies the whole game. Yeah, like you could just you come out in halftime, and then Neto was guarding him. And I like I like Neto, but he shouldn't be guarding like Jason Tatum or Ish Smith. Like he was putting little scrappy dudes instead of putting people. Like he's not a good play. He's not a good. He's a bad offensive player. But like people used to ask, like play Bonga. Like not even just on on Tatum, but like just in general, because he was probably our best defender, but Brooks kind of prioritized offense more, which, I mean, that's his philosophy. But then when offense is, you know, when you get in the playoffs and playing good teams, you're not going to out-offense people, especially if you don't have really a good offense besides just Bill and Westbrook. Yeah, so you got to – you got that's what I never understood with these coaches. Why don't they play to their personnel? You have to play to your personnel or it's not going to work. They try to just – I get that he was like, okay, this is my system. I'm going to stick to it no matter what. But if your personnel can't fit the system, it doesn't work. It kind of reminds me of, remember when Phil Jackson was trying to come back with the Knicks and he was trying to make Carmelo and then run that triangle offense, but it wasn't working. Yeah. And it was like they didn't have the players for that triangle offense, yet they were still trying to force that triangle offense over and over. And it was just clear as day that it wasn't working. Yeah, exactly. It's like... I think the best coach is, yeah, you can have a good system, but you definitely have to fit to what you your the personnel you have. And you can't be stubborn and trying to, you know, fit square peg into a round hole or whatever the saying is. <laughs> um, so I mean so y'all, y'all, y'all are hot star. Where do you see y'all finishing? Cause y'all know y'all number one in the east right now, y'all tied with the um bulls yeah, at eight and three. I wouldn't see us finishing first. I mean, that's just wait. That's too hard to do unless, like I said, we would have to, like, we're playing good now, but I think it's a lot of room for improvement on the offense. And they would have to shoot a lot better, maybe go get a piece. I don't know. Because I think the thing, they, they have pieces to be able to trade, not like for a superstar, but they could trade for, like, a good player if a team, like, is selling that's not really good. But – I think they would have to obviously keep developing the young guys and keep playing good on offense. But I think realistically, I think they could finish like, um, like fifth or sixth, maybe fourth at best. But I think like fifth or sixth, between five and seven. I don't think they're going to be a plan. Like I think they can, as they long as they don't have like, yeah, as long as they don't have like no big injuries. I think just they're not really based on no gimmicks. They just are playing defense and they're using depth and not like just relying on one person. So I think like that can like track over the season. I think what they got to do, they've been playing really good against good teams. They just can't do like the old wizards where they were like, 
beat good teams and then stink against bad teams. So like this weekend we play the uh the Magic and the Pelicans. Like you have to take care of the bad teams, I think, to be like to make sure you still have a good record and make the playoffs. But I think uh yeah, I think like the five to seven range. I'm interested to see like how the team is when everyone is back with, with Rui and Thomas Bryant. But um, I think they'll be, they'll be it's going to be a pretty good season with them. Yeah, I hope I hope it is. I hope it is. I hope I am proved proven wrong because I always, I always make these predictions, but it it's better to be proven wrong with little teams. I mean, teams I think it's hard. It, it's hard because certain teams like um, certain teams like on paper we don't look that good, but like a lot of people were saying it was a joke on Twitter. I seen a Wizards fan saying. It was a addition by subtraction with Brooks because, like, we could have had like no coach and probably would have been better than That's how we were last year. And like, I don't want to take away from what Brooks did because it was some stuff he did good on offense, but like, I don't think it was nothing special he did. Like, he was he didn't he couldn't really tap into certain players, and you you see development now, obviously with with unsettled, and it's like I think the good players were good, and like you know that was about it with Brooks. It wasn't nothing else. Well, that's good. That's good. You got anything else you want to, you want to say anything about your wizards before we head out? Um, no, nah, that's it. Just, I hope they just are, I hope it's sustainable and they change the culture and it's not back to being a poverty team. I'm tired of that. <laughs> I'm tired of looking at mock drafts and, and January and February. Like I, I if they could actually have like, a little good playoff run, maybe like first, second round and be competitive and build something for the future where they can like possibly attract other people. That would be nice. It would. Um, <clears throat> you gotta, you gotta make sure Bill stays in. Hopefully, hopefully this season, him seeing y'all actually changing the culture, y'all actually bringing in a winning foundation. Yeah. Maybe I don't know that why he stayed this long. Cause nobody else would, but I mean, he might've stayed long enough to see like, you know, he ain't got to play a whole bunch of minutes. He he don't got to do a lot. And I think like maybe seeing like um like with the Suns with Devin Booker and like you know you just add the right players around. I'm not saying we go to the finals, but like you can have a pretty good team without trying to add like a bunch of superstars if you add the right guys and the right coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But y'all still gonna need some. Y'all don't. Y'all don't have a CP3 yet. Y'all. Y'all. Y'all gotta get that CP3 DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. Exactly. Y'all got. Y'all got. Y'all got the Booker, but you ain't got the the other two. I gonna y'all figure that part out. But yeah. Well, thanks for coming on. This has been another episode of the Ath Geeks podcast. You know. Um, next time we're gonna, we're gonna we're gonna figure something else out. We, we might bring some college basketball. Might try to drag waffles out here so we can talk heat, even though he hates the heat. We still ain't we still ain't got on here and talk about the Celtics. The who? <laughs> um How's the who? We will talk about that team when they are worth being talked about. Until then, they have not earned the right to be spoken about. That's why we have not spoken of that. Hey team. man, y'all just gotta give Marcus Smart the ball more. That's all. Yeah, Marcus Smart doesn't do anything. Marcus Smart doesn't even play defense anymore. He don't play defense no more. Offensively, he doesn't. He wants to be a shooter, but he's not a shooter. This man, I don't think he's ever even shot above like forty percent from the field. 
but he wants to have the ball in his hand more. It's like, okay, well, I don't know why, because you're not a good scorer. <laughs> you're an okay facilitator, and you're not the defender you used to be. But a lot of teams still covet him because I, I guess they're like, we know he can be in a, a lockdown defender, <clears throat> even though Celtic fans haven't seen it these last couple of years. But yeah, exactly. I don't know. Like I said, we'll speak on them when they did. Oh, one thing I did see, I seen like it was early in the year, but when y'all played us, like Al Horford was going crazy with blocks, or like y'all were one of the best team in the league with blocks, right? Al Horford was leading the league in blocks. That is crazy. I mean, he's always been a great defender, and like it's more positioning because he don't really jump. But like that's that's crazy. Yeah, adding Al Horford was very crucial. Al Horford has been a consistent like beautiful piece for us because he can stretch the floor he can facilitate he makes the right passes he defends he does everything like that and he's a true vet like he understands the game he's not gonna beat you on athleticism or anything he just knows the game so he's Mm -hmm. just smart so it's just i think i think that's why they wanted him more than anything not because of the big impact but just to have that vet presence to be like hey and just the lead, they I know they were hoping Rob Williams was gonna make take a step, and they were just gonna help him. But I don't know. We well, he's already played season. with Brown and Tatum before too, so it was like he yeah, step back in. Yeah, yeah, everybody loved Al because they were like, yeah, he's a he's a good mentor, and they wanted him back, so they brought him back. You bring the players back that your stars want, but now we just gotta figure something else out, and who knows, we can. Yeah. Maybe we'll maybe we'll finally discuss them by the All Star break if they start acting right. Maybe we won't discuss. Yeah, it's, them at it's all way too early in the season to count anyone out, except for maybe like the Rockets and the Pelicans and the Pistons. They both got you know, one win. <laughs> yeah, the Pistons got their first win against the um, Rockets, wasn't it? Yeah, they got the first win against really? the Rockets. Yeah, I think that was their first win last night, or was it? Nah, they're two and eight. That was their second win, okay. Yeah. I knew they were really bad though. Now it's so that's so bad. Mm-hmm. It's what? Dang. I don't know. They're they're gonna get another. They're gonna either try to get Chet or one of them. Young is coming out the draft. It's gonna be it's gonna be nice. I need to discuss college basketball in one of these episodes because we got we got some we got some studs out here. Yeah, but we're nice. yeah, yeah, but we just rambling at this point. So yeah, this has been another episode of the Ath Geeks podcast. Always, always, always remember to respect women, but most importantly, remember to respect yourself. And we out.